Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're going to take us a faith journey tonight. We're going to talk about, about some things along the, along the road of faith, okay? Uh, let's go, with, go over to Exodus. Can you learn anything about faith in Exodus? Absolutely you can. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about these, these children, this children of Israel bunch. And they are just so much like us at times. We are so much like them. In spite of the fact that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, in spite of the fact that greater one lives on the inside of us, we tend to fall into some of the same areas that they found themselves in. So, you know, we're going to see what happens here. All right. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. The children of Israel had been in bondage for a long time. But in Exodus 3, God laid out a plan to deliver his people. I'm telling you what, God laid out a plan to deliver you and me as soon as man came on the scene. But for these people, you know, he gets, Mo- gets a hold of Moses. And in, um, in verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Isn't it wonderful that God knows your sorrows? You know, Jesus came to earth as a man and tempted in all points just like we are. He's acquainted with our, with our griefs, acquainted with our pains, acquainted with every part of our lives you know, that we experience every single day. Here God says, I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and unto a, a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression. And, he says to, and then it goes on to tell, to, and says, go to Pharaoh. And Moses goes, well, who am I? You know, what am I going to say to him? And in verse 14, he says, I am that I am. I am has sent you. Listen, the great I am is still at work today. He is at work. The plan has already been laid out. You know, all we have to do is walk it out. And uh, it goes on. It says, uh, you know, it talks about the, I'm the Lord, uh, Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You know, in verse 21 and verse 22, this chapter it says he says and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it shall come to pass that when you go you shall not go empty but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourns in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Ha ha. God never intended for his people to go out empty handed into anything. Into any adventure, into any plan. He never intended for you to me and go out empty handed. But he has given us a full supply through what Jesus has done for us. He has equipped us, enabled us, 
called us, anointed us, appointed us. He's laid out a plan for us that is relayed to us through the word. We're just picking it up and just read it. I mean, we come into church, and any, any message you hear is part of the plan. He's just laying out the plan, laying out the plan, laying out the plan. Here's the plan, here's the plan, here's the plan, here's the plan. You know, no good builder gets too far away from the plans. If he does, you might not be wanting the place he's building. But every good architect has got a set of plans. And then when he passes them on to the builder, the builder follows the plans. But see, the architect has already put in all the information in the plans that the builder needs. God has already laid out everything that we need. We just have to stay focused on the plan and keep it laid out for us and keep referring to it. Don't get, you get off track when you don't refer, refer to it. Lord, when we were building this building, I, 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 was, I was amazed, you know, sometimes at the things that would happen because somebody wasn't looking at the plans. From the very beginning, there was supposed to be an electrical outlet in the floor right where my desk was going to be, and that was on the plans. And one day I went and looked and I went, where's my electrical outlet? What electrical outlet? I'm going, the one that's on the plans. And somebody had to come knock out some concrete and put me an electrical outlet in the floor because somebody didn't look at the plans. I, I'm sure they looked at it at some point, but, but they, when it came time to do something about it, they overlooked it. You know. But God's put out a plan there for us. Now, go with me to Exodus 6. In your faith journey, God's got a plan. Whatever you're believing God, he's, for he's got the plan. From the time you go from point A to the end result, he's got a plan already laid out. In Exodus 6, he states the plan again. In verse 6, he says, I am the Lord your God. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people. I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which brings you out. In verse 8, I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. And then in, in verse in Exodus 11, let's go look here. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. This is still my new Bible. Amen. Uh, verse 3, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth unto his throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be any like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or or beast, that ye may know how the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Listen, God has put in a difference between you and me and the rest of this world. It, is, it should be so clear that there's not a doubt in anybody's mind that you are a follower of Jesus Christ himself. We should not live our lives like the people next door unless the people next door are born-again believers. 
growing up, you know, our house was no different from anybody else's house. The same tragedy that struck their house struck ours. Same sickness that came into their house came into ours. You know, it just, it just, you know, it was, the only difference was we went to church. But we didn't know that there was supposed to be a difference. Except in just the, in fact, we didn't cuss, drink, chew, you know, whatever that little thing is. You know, we cleaned up our act a little bit. But we did not know that there was victory and blessing in our lives. It was supposed to be there, supposed to be evident, supposed to be obvious to people so that anybody who looked at us would see there's a difference. Everywhere you go, people ought to look at you and say, what's different about you? What's that? What, 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 what is that? What? I mean, you got a smile on your face all the time? You happy all the time? Really? You got no complaints? Mm. You know, sometimes people may assume that you're not what you say you are, but what you're saying. Uh-huh. Listen, we have to make a difference. We have to be the difference. You know, growing up, I mean, I had no, no reason to, to really want to serve God. I mean, I was raised in it, you know. I knew this, I knew that, I knew the other. But you know what? What really was going to make a difference in my life about it? Except going to heaven. Well, that's important. But in the meantime, between now and the time, because you know when you're you know, 16, 17, 18, even 20, 30 years old, you think life is... You know, the end of my life is a long ways away. I don't have to think about it right now. You will get there eventually. You know, I'll come back around to it. But listen, there's no guarantee. If you're not walking with God, there is no guarantee for you as a person living in this world that tomorrow is not your last day, that the next 30 seconds are not your last 30 seconds. And so I had no real reason to serve God until I got around a bunch of people who showed me there was a different way to live. That there was victory promised to me. That there was a plan God had laid out where there was nothing but good intended for me in my life. See, I didn't know that God was good all the time. I didn't know that he only wanted good things for me. I didn't know, you know, that there, was, that there was a plan for my life that I would love, that I would enjoy, that I would be thrilled with. But I found a group of people that exhibited those kind of things, and I went, that's what I want. And everywhere you go, you should be exhibiting those things to people. So they look at you and go, that's what I want. Your life is the biggest witness and the biggest testimony there is. These people went out. Not a dog barked. Nothing happened to them so that they would know there was a difference. See, God's marked you as his own. And because you're marked, you ought to be displaying the difference that he intends you to be. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Exodus 12. Hallelujah. We won't read all of this. In Exodus 12, he, you know, this is the Passover. He gives him instructions in, in this chapter about what to do, how to prepare the lamb, what to eat. You know, put the door, put the blood on the doorpost. All this. Listen, the blood made the difference. The blood still makes the difference today. They were purchased 
They were redeemed because of the blood that was on the doorposts. I'm telling you what, we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Much better than just a little lamb that they pulled out of a flock. But we have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. And, you know, it says in Acts 20, 28, it talks about the church. It says he purchased that church with his own blood. In Revelations 5, it says he re- that we have been redeemed to God by his blood. In 2 Peter 2, 9, it says that we're a chosen pe- generation, a peculiar, which is a purchased people. The price was his blood. And then Exodus 12, they, 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 were, they were saved by the blood, and then they began to move into that plan. Up until now, they'd been preparing, but then they began to move into that plan. You know, there's a time of preparation in your life, in any kind of faith project that you've got, where you get into the Word, and you see what the plan is, and you see the direction that God's giving you, and you get it settled in your heart once and for all, and then you start moving into the plan. Hallelujah. Exodus 13 Verse 21, it says, The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire. He wanted them to know that he was always present, always there, always leading, always guiding. For you and me today, what we see is Proverbs 4. Go over me there. Proverbs 4. Hallelujah. Verse 20, My son. Uh, and my daughters too, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Listen, we keep his word in front of us. So that we're continually guided. We're continually led by his word. Uh, It says uh, in in, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And it says he leads me in the paths of righteousness. He's always leading us. Always leading us. In our journey of life, he's always leading us. If you've got a faith project going on, he's leading you through all of that journey from point A to the end result. He's constantly leading. John 16, 13 says, it talks about the spirit of truth, that he will guide you. There is one who's constantly here, constantly available, constantly present. If we're just looking, you know, just look. It didn't say they were surrounded by fire or surrounded by cloud. There was one place they needed to look to know that God was still there. That pillar of cloud by day, that pillar of fire by night. You know, it's probably some people are looking the wrong direction. If they had turned the other way, they would, they would have seen nothing. And see, that's what a lot of believers do. They get their eyes off of what their eyes ought to be on. They're looking at the wrong things. And then they go, where, oh God, are you? Where are you in my situation? Where have you, have you abandoned me? You're looking at the wrong place. Because usually those people have failed to look right here. They failed to look on the inside where the greater one lives. That one who will guide them and lead them into all truth. You know, they failed to do that because their eyes are in the wrong place. Hallelujah. Exodus 14. 
Halleluja. We just do one verse here. Listen, the battle is not ours. Verse 14 of chapter 14, it says, The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. The amplified version of that says you'll hold your peace and remain at rest. Remain at rest. Listen, it's not up to us to do the fighting. It's up to us to do the resting. That's where we're supposed to be. You know, Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing. The amplified version of that says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. About anything. Yeah, but you know, see, what, my, what I find out so many times is that people will give me a, a whole litany of, well, I know the Word says this, and I know the Word says that, and I know the Word says da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but my situation is this. And I, and I just want to, I look at them and just say, your butt's in the wrong place. <laughs> see, anytime you put the word but in a sentence, you negated everything in the first half of the sentence. And people want to negate what God has said because of their situation. You know, get it in the right order. This is my situation. This is what's going on. Nobody says you have to keep it to yourself. Nobody says you can't voice, you know, your concerns. You know, but if you're going to voice your concerns, your next step should be, but the word says this. When anybody puts, wherever somebody puts the butt, I know that what follows after them is what's in their heart. That's really what's got a hold of them. What follows the butt, not what came before the butt. It's not good enough to say, I know the word says this, but. No, 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 no. That's not going to do you any good. That's not going to get you anywhere. That is not going to put you over. It's not going to lead you into victory. It's not going to give you what you're after. It's not going to give you what God has promised you. You're going to have to say, this is the situation I'm dealing with, but the word says this. God has told me this. God has said this. I found myself in an opportunity one time where the doctor said, you have cancer in your lymph nodes. And I could have said, well, I know what what the Lord told me in my heart. I know what. I know, I know, I know that's what he said to me. I know he said you had the surgery and everything will be fine. I know he said that, but the doctor says this. See, when I finally got my butt in the right place, the doctor said this, but God said surgery would take care of it. When I went to the Lord about that, I said, uh, I, I just need some clarification here. I, did I miss it? Did I miss what you told me? You, I, I, I believed you said surgery would take care of it. And the answer I got was, what makes you think it did? What makes you think it did? Just because it was a lymph node. It's gone now, isn't it? Listen, you've got to come to that place where it doesn't matter who says what. Whether it's a doctor, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a creditor. I don't care what they say, your butt's going to have to be put in place right here and you follow it, that butt, with what God has said. 
what God has promised you, what he has declared you to be and declared you to have. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Exodus 15. Starting in verse 1, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song, saying to the Lord, song unto the Lord and saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. Literally, he had thrown him in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. You, have, you can never, never never let down on your praise life. Never. You can't come into church and go, well, I'm tired. I don't feel like praising God. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Really? Here? You're not going, I mean, you're not going to praise God here? Listen, you better learn to do it here so you'll do it at home. It's more, it's really almost more important that you learn to do it on your own than it is here because you know what you have other people here to kind of sweep you along into the tide of thanksgiving we're at home it's just you honey that's it just you and you can't sweep yourself into a tide unless you create your own little whirlpool you know and there's a good way to do that i mean get up and just dance if you've got to just get up and run around the house, dance before the Lord, shout, jump up and down. Who cares if the windows are open and the neighbors can hear you? It's okay. They need to get educated. I mean, most of us don't live that close to our neighbors anymore and don't have our windows open that much anymore. You know, but still, it would be good for your neighbor to hear you praising God. It'd be good for the rest of your household to hear you praising God sometimes, too. Children ought to hear their parents praising God at home. Thank God we have children in here with us, you know, on Sunday nights. You know, the the ages that are Faith Island and down. So they can experience a worship service in amongst a bunch of adults who not just say you should praise God, but actually praise God. But you know, when you go home... Those same children need to hear and see you praising God, not just giving lip service to it, but actually praising God. There's an issue in our house. We're going to praise God. Get them involved in it. Too often times people get their children involved in the, in the, in the, the problems of life instead of the praise of life. The, the, the children will hear and hear mom and dad talking about, you know, got, we've got problems, you know, meeting the bills here. We've got, you know, got this, we've got this going on. But what they need to hear is their same parents saying, God is our source. God is my provider. God will take care of us. God's got the answer. He's got this provision. He's sending it our way. Hallelujah. Woof. You better get fired up tonight. Philippians 4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Ephesians 4.20 says, Giving thanks always unto God. Hebrews 13.15 says, Offer the sacrifice of praise unto God continually. Not just when you feel like it. Not just when everything is going well. Not just when everything seems like it's on the right track. But praising God continually, no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what the situations might be, praising God continually. 
Hallelujah. And it will keep you focused on the answer and not on the problem. It'll keep you focused on the end result and not the, 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 the journey, the difficulties of the journey. And honestly, there are times when it's difficult. But, you know, you're going to have to pull yourself up and say, I don't care how hard it is. I'm still going to serve God. I don't care how it looks like it might never come to pass. I'm still going to praise God. Hallelujah. Get your focus right in the, back in the right place. You know, the problem with a lot of people, the reasons why they never get, seem to get the victory is because they fail to praise God. I, you know, I tell people sometimes, you need to keep your joy level full. You need to keep your joy. Well, how are you going to do that? By praising God. By going back to the Word and seeing what He said and thanking Him that it's true. When you fail to praise God, what you're basically saying is, I do not believe what this says. I do not believe that God is who he is. I do not believe that he'll he'll do what he said he will do. That's what you do with your complaining. Well, we're getting a little ahead of myself here. Uh, Exodus 17. We'll get to the complaining part now. See, these Israelites, they were just like you and me. They really were. You know, we can't, we can't really, you know, put our little nose up, our spiritual noses up at them like, well, they should have known better. How would you like somebody to come tell you that one day when you're not at your best? You should know better. Humans, we're humans. We're walking it out. But we're getting better every single day. We're learning. And we're establishing things in our lives so that we don't continue on in the same, same pattern. So you've got, you, you, you got, you got to stop circling the, you know, the airfield here, folks. And you've got to make a landing somewhere sometime. The problem with some people is they keep going around the same bush constantly. They all just keep going around the same, thinking that they're going to find the answer. Well, the answer's right there. Just stop and take a hold of it. And in the 17th chapter of Exodus, the people are complaining. They've been complaining about all kinds. They complained they didn't have any food. They didn't have claim they didn't have this. They complained they didn't have that. Now they're complaining about the water. So what they wind up doing, after, you know, Moses gets, gets the water for him, he goes to the Lord, the Lord tells him what to do, gets, gets him the water. Then they found themselves in a, in a fight with the Amalekites. And, you know, Joshua, you know the story, Joshua went out to do, to do the fighting and Moses, as long as he held his hands up, you know, the Israelites prevailed and he put his hands down, you know, the, the other people, you know, were, were taking advantage of him. And so it came along, Aaron and her had to come along and stay his hands and one on either side, keep his hands up. Listen, they shouldn't have had to be in the battle to start with. You know what your grumbling and complaint will get you? At the mercy of the enemy. Yeah. You will find yourself in a battle that you weren't intended to fight. See, the fight is God's, not ours. And yet we put ourselves in positions so many times where it looks like we're the ones doing the fighting. He doesn't want you to. You're not equipped like he is. Let the man with the good equipment do the fighting. Let the man with the good ability do the fight. He'll fight your battles for you if you just keep praising him. Hallelujah. It says, um, if you go on, you know, here, it, it, it goes back where he goes back and he encourages the people. And it, what it really tells me is that 
in spite of their grumbling, in spite of their complaining, God cared about them. He loved them. He brought them through. Lamentation says his mercies are new every morning. Thank God. When I find myself in a place where I'm just, I'm just not doing what I need to do, where my, my, my mouth is saying things it's got no business saying, when my attitude is stinky, I can finally get it back in, in, in gear. I can finally get it back where it needs to be and know that God's mercies are there for me every single morning. His, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. I haven't exhausted his mercy. I haven't exhausted his patience. I haven't exhausted anything that he's got. He, the plan is still good. You know, he's still leading me. He still loves me. He still wants me to go on. In Exodus 19. Hallelujah. Exodus 19. Verse 5. You shall be a peculiar treasure to me. That's a special. You're not just because you're strange, but you, some of you might fit that category. But a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is repeated again over in First Peter 2. He just wanted them to know that he loved them. He treasured them. They were special to him. You know, we've been through a lot, been through places where they, you know, tried his patience, where they had grumbled and complained about all kinds of things, and yet he still wanted to know that they were his own special people. Listen, no matter what, we are still God's chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar, purchased, bought people. We always have to go back. And just remind ourselves of who we are, what we have, what we can do because of the one who lives on the inside of us. That, that should signify to us just how special we are. To know that God looks at us that way. He's called us his very own. He's equipped us. He's given us so much. I mean, there is nothing that God has withheld from us. Nothing. Hallelujah. Exodus 23, verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Listen, God's always prepared the way ahead of time. No matter what your situation, no matter what it is you need, as soon as you pray, as soon as you believe, the preparation is already there. It's already, the answer is already there. Mark 11, what does it say? You can quote it now, can't you? Come on, somebody loudly. He shall have whatsoever he says. You believe in your heart. What things soever you desire, verse 24, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. There's no question mark in there. You shall have them. Well, well, how are you going to have them? Because he's already, got the, he's already got the plan. He's already got the answer. The answer is already yours. Already yours. Psalm 37, 5. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. I'm about to get to the good part here. He says, commit your way into the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Exodus 32, go back over there. Got your fingers nimble tonight, right? Hallelujah. You've got a bunch of people here who uh, have decided that, well, you know, God's just not, just God's not enough. So they make themselves a molten calf. They're worshiping this calf when Moses comes down and finds out what they're doing. Listen, this was basically a backslidden people. They had given up on what God had promised them. Well, it don't look like it's going to happen. You know, we're out here wandering around. You know, Moses is up there on a mountain. We don't know if he's dead or alive. So we're just going to make ourselves some other God, you know. Listen, how many times have we done that? Just give up on God. Just give up on what he said belongs to us. Just give up on the answer that we said we wanted. Just give up on the things that we were claiming. Because, well, it doesn't look like anything's happening. I don't even see where God is in all of this. You know, and so you turn your attention to something else that you think will will be the answer for you instead of God. You know, there are people who make all kinds of idols out of things instead of going to the one who is the source of everything that we are and everything that we have. Instead Instead of just patiently waiting on the Lord. Listen, he brings you to, from point A to point B to point C. Don't give up because you haven't gotten to point D yet. Just, just hang in there. Just hang in there. God's at work. Instead of giving up and, and deciding to go find another way, go do something our way, just hang in there. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap. Don't abandon God's plan. In James 1, it says, let patience, patience, patience have her perfect work. If you're not patient, you will wind up with something less than the best God intended you to have. It might be okay. It might even be good. But is it the perfect, the best thing for you? How many people have decided, this has just been too long. I, 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 well, this looks pretty good. I'll just do, this, do it this way. I'll just, I'll just settle for this. I'll just, I'll just take this. No, don't do that. Let patience have her perfect work. There is nothing worse than getting down the road when you've settled for one thing and finding out what you could have had. Don't do that. It's too important. You may not think this particular area is all that important, but it may be more important than you think. There are important areas of your life. Don't settle unless you know it's the exact thing that God has for you. Let patience have her perfect work. Well, I've been believing God for two weeks for this. Hello. Well, I've been believing God all year for this. Well, I've been believing God for five years for this. Listen, Abraham believed God for how many years? A long time. How many of you are in that boat? And he never, well, he, he did. He did. He just like you and me. There were times he decided, okay, you know, that's where Ishmael came from. That's where he abandoned God's plan and come up with his own plan. And that's why we have the mess we have today in this world. 
because somebody else has got their own idea about how we're going to make this happen. See, when you do that, it not, doesn't just affect you. It could affect generations. When you settle for less than God, what God has for you because you just couldn't wait it out any longer. It really doesn't matter how long it takes. If you're praising God and keeping your eyes focused on where it needs to be, the time is not the issue. When time becomes an issue that tells me that your focus is on what you, what you want more than it's on wanting God. Yeah. Exodus 33. God once again, in verse 3, talks about that land of milk and honey that he's prepared for them. He's just reassuring them again. Here's the goal again. I, I haven't changed my mind. The plan's still the plan. Let's just go here. And in Numbers 13, we're going to jump over there. Numbers 13. Where is Numbers? Get my Bible here. Numbers 13. Here they are. About, they're, they're in sight. They're in sight. They can look at the promised land. It's right there in front of them. And they look at it and they go, oh, no, 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 we, we can't do this. No, no, no. We, 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 we can't handle this. This isn't for us. You know, they, they stop looking at God's ability to carry them into that final promise, into that final leg of the journey. No, 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 can't do this. And what did it cost them? It cost them everything. For most of them, it cost them everything. That generation died not being able to go into a, a land that was right there that they were looking at. They couldn't go in. Listen, never, never think it depends on your ability. It doesn't depend on you. If God says this is yours, you can have this. This is what I want for you. This belongs to you. Don't put your ability in there as to make it a come to pass. It's not your ability, it's his ability that will cause it to happen. You know, in uh, Numbers 14, verse 22, it's interesting. Uh, this is God, it says, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times. God laid it out ten times, ten times these people had, had, had balked, had, had pulled back. Ten times they've not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But, but, my servant Caleb, Caleb because he had another spirit with him and has followed me fully, 
Him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. And if you go down to verse uh, 30, it mentions, mentions Joshua. The two of them were the only remaining of that generation that went in because they had a different spirit. Listen, God needs to be able to say that about you. You went in and possessed the land because you had a different spirit. You believed him. You believed. You took him at his word. You never gave up. During 40 years of these people wandering around the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb never lost sight that that belongs to me. That's mine. I'm going to have it. I'm going to possess it. I'm going to enjoy it. That he promised to me 40 years. 40 years. That same, that different spirit abode in those two men. And so they were able to go in. Listen, when the doubters are gone, like in Joshua 1, go to Joshua. When the doubters are gone, see, it it matters who you surround yourself with. It matters a lot about the people that you surround. The doubters, get away from them. They'll pull you right into into their little party of unbelief if you let them. But Joshua and Caleb were able to withstand that. And when the doubters are gone, in Joshua 1, we read this a couple of weeks ago, he reaffirmed that that belongs to you. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you as I said unto Moses. He never changes his mind. Now, Joshua 3 They're ready. They come up to the city of Jericho. They send spies into the city, meet up with Rahab, and she says to them what these guys should have done a long time ago. She says, I know the Lord has given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water. This is 40 years has gone by. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when he came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Gog, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Listen, the devil trembles at you. You have to, you have to see that. You have to understand that he's afraid you're going to find out what really belongs to you. What really is yours. Who you really are. Because he's utterly powerless to stop you. For the person who really understands who they are and what they have and what they can do, the enemy is deathly afraid of you. He is. He puts up a good show, but he's afraid of you. Now, okay, Joshua 6. They have instruction. They're going around the city. We're not going to, I'm running out of time, and I've not got to the shouting part yet. <laughs> they're going to surround the city once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, they're going to go around seven times, and on the seventh time, they're going to blow the horn, and the people are going to shout, and the walls are going to fall down. Listen, I'm here to tell you that. I went through all that to tell you, to tell you this one truth. If you don't get anything out of it but this one, one sentence tonight, I want you to understand there's nothing left but the shouting. There's nothing left to do but shout. You don't have to do anything except follow the plan, let God do his thing, and you do the shouting. 
There's nothing left but the shout. I don't care what your faith project is. I don't care what the situation is. There's nothing left for you to do but shout. Hallelujah. It says that they went in and destroyed everything in the city. Do you know what it says in Colossians? That Jesus, having spoiled principalities and power, he spoiled them. He took them out. Hallelujah. Woo! First Corinthians, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. For Second Corinthians, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Psalm 47, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Psalm 5 says, shout for joy. Psalm 32 and 132 says, the righteous shout for joy. What is the joy? I'm an overcomer. I'm victorious. Everything he says is mine. Hallelujah. The answer I need is mine. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's going to take care of it. Don't get into care. Don't get into worry. Don't get into grumbling. Don't get into weariness. Don't get into complaining. Don't look back when it doesn't seem like this is much of a great effort here going on. Don't listen to or be affected by people who say the wrong things. Don't lose sight of who promised. Don't lose sight of what he's already done for you. That's what happened in Israel. He brings them out of Egypt with a difference. He takes them across the Red Sea. He drowns the armies of Egypt in the same sea that they just walked across. And yet they're out here complaining because they got no food. They're complaining because they don't have any meat. They're complaining because they don't have any water. Do you not think the same God who did all that is going to make sure you're taken care of? Dear Lord, how many victories have you had in your life? And now you're griping and complaining about how this situation's so bad. Did you forget how God brought you through? Did you forget what God did for you just last week? The same God is still in business. He didn't close up shop. Don't lose sight of whose ability it takes. Don't lose sight of the fact that the best waits for you. It's waiting for you. You're not waiting for it. It's waiting for you. Mm. And don't forget, there's joy in the journey. Well, stand up and shout. Hallelujah. There's nothing left to do but shout. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. The victory is ours. You always cause us to triumph. You give us the victory every single day. There's nothing that can withstand us. Nothing that's withheld from us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. to get there. <laughs> Woo! You're going to have to be better shouters. That ought to be one of your New Year's resolutions. One of those goals that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is I'm going to become a better praiser. I'm going to become a better shouter. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because the devil's not going to silence you as long as you're praising the Lord. 
you got to be louder than he is. See, when the children of, those children of Israel circled Jericho, it wasn't just a little, praise the Lord. Are you kidding me? They understood when Joshua said, when, I, when that trumpet sounds, you shout. It wasn't just a little, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. It was glory, hallelujah. It was at the top of their lungs. Hallelujah. I tell you what, it's amazing the, the reverberation you can get out of a group this size. When you've got six million people circling a city, can you imagine the sound of that? Whoa. Listen, I tell you what, one of us can put the enemy to silence. Just one. Just one. And in whatever situation you're facing, you are the only one who can silence him. You can have a ton of people get in agreement with you. You can go out and find 10 prayer chains. But I tell you what, if you don't silence the enemy, it will not happen. It's not up to somebody else. It's up to you. So, it's all over but the shout. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.